You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Dr. Tom and Gold-Blooded King podcast with your boy, Tommy B. and Daniel Hardy in the place to be. We've got a very, very special guest today. Very special. Three, uh, Marcus Thompson, best-selling author who has penned two of the most important basketball biographies of the modern era. Firstly, Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry, and his latest wonder, KD, Kevin Durant's relentless pursuit to be the greatest. He's also a lead columnist at the Athletic Bay Area, covering the Golden State Warriors, with over 18 years of experience covering the Bay. And he's also loyal to his soil. As a son of Oakland, he went to Oakland Tech. With great joy and gratitude, Dr. Tom and I would like to welcome Mr. Thompson back to Golden State of Mind. How you doing, Marcus? May I always gas up guests? <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> we, we really that, don't. That was man. That was premium unleaded right there. Ninety one. <laughs> um, how are you feeling after uh, game three? I'm all right. I had a good night's sleep. Oh, you yeah. mean about the series or me personally? Well, either one. Either one. You know. <laughs> we care. We care about you. We care yeah, how you're doing. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> man, so uh, I'm a. Uh, you know. I'm battling an illness, but you know I got a good night's sleep. Drank a bunch of juice yesterday. I'm all right. I feel I feel all right. As so right now, series, this is like the flu pod right now for you. Michael Jordan's flu game in podcast form. No, nah, I ain't that sick. This is more <laughs> like uh, you know, Steph playing through ankle. Oh, okay, okay. Or so maybe maybe like remember when Steph had the elbow bursitis and his elbow yeah. was also that's what it was. That was nasty. Let's hope I can get around Kevin Love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, we, we can go straight into the actual um, the book right now. Cause I do have some Game 3 questions for you at the end of this. But uh, I want to start uh, with Tom. Dr. Tom is the, the biggest KD stan on the planet. And we we can't even keep the interview going without him asking some questions about your book. So please, Dr. Tom, take it away. Bigger, bigger than Tony? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta, gotta be humble. Gotta, you know, you know, it's not my place, but yeah, pretty big, pretty big. But I do have some Can't questions about his own brother. Well, I'm gonna give him a run for his money. <laughs> hey, man, I was, I was there in 2007. I was like, hey, this guy's gonna be good. This guy's gonna be good. I better get get down to the Irwin Center to go watch him. But uh, I did have some questions about the book, which I enjoyed immensely. It was really great. It was really interesting. Well, research, well-written, totally engrossing. And so I, what I wanted to ask just is about the process that led to you writing this book about KD, what led to you taking this project on, and maybe even how it grew out of the, your first book, Golden, uh, about Steph Curry. Uh, but just kind of what led to you taking on this project? All right. So here's how it went whole story uh i wrote golden right and when i signed the deal for golden i signed a two book deal so golden's done it's out i'm, I'm ready to go on my finding forester hiatus <laughs> uh, and 
the publisher's like, hey, we 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 want another book. Uh, so my agent was, I was like, yeah, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> and my literary agent was like, yeah, you should, you should just do it. Get it out the way. Get done. Well, I'll try to get more money. I felt like since I had done it and I wasn't a rookie anymore. Right. I get yeah. Money. So I tried to get double the price. I was he like, said double up the price. Okay. I see you hustling. Hey man, when you get that book on your resume, you can start asking for that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you got to start calling your shots. So they were like, nah. <laughs> and uh and then i was like also i need double the time and they said yeah to that so i pitched a couple books but i pitched a couple books that i felt like uh would be a little bit different mm-hmm. and they weren't feeling it so i was like yeah never mind i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna take some time and they kind of like a, a few people that I talked to, I like advise you know, asked their advice on what I should do, and they told me that you know the smart move was was to do the book and get it done. So I was like, all right, all right. And then they told me they wanted the KD book. So that's what made me do it was kind of the pressure to get out, like just wanting to get to not to not be owed any owing anybody anything, but. Yeah. Also, I mean, I, I mean, I'd be complete. I wouldn't be one hundred percent genuine if that was the whole reason. I mean, I mean, this this era is just so wild, and this time is just so unique. And we, I, I can see that this being a part of, you know, history that we revisit. Yeah, it just it also felt like a responsibility to, you know, tell this tell these stories. Yeah. So it's like, all right. I mean, what are you here for? So, I mean, to be honest, though, to write it was the the large motivation was to uh, to kind of get just get out of the book game for a minute and kind of set my own terms for the next time. Right. But then once I got it started, it it really helped a lot when KD was like, yeah, you should do it. So, yeah, that made it feel a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. that's probably too honest. By the way, I might get in some trouble for that, but eh, no, I, th- I mean, I think it uh, honesty is a appreciate. You should never get in trouble for being honest. Yeah, it's not true. Uh, <laughs> maybe, but I, but, <laughs> but I do yeah, think they are straight lies. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like the truth gets you in the most trouble. That's why it's hard <laughs> to tell it. <laughs> well. And and I think and you've said this before in other places that this book was a little different based on the I don't know what you call it well, not the access you had to your subject uh, in in Kevin Durant but uh, in I guess it's the involvement in terms of the project whereas Steph uh, on Golden he was a more involved or was a sort of a participant in this process whereas Durant though he did say oh you know you should do this book uh, wasn't involved in it and so I wanted to ask about that because that's obviously different and interesting. And so did that, how different was that aspect of this process? And did it make it easier or harder for you that your subject, while he said you should do it, was not involved in the process or not sort of connected to it? Well, Steph was equally not involved. I just didn't Uh need him as much. Okay. The problem was I had, you know, I covered Steph since 09. So I had seven years of built up knowledge on Steph so that was 
I mean, I was I remember thinking like if I was to sit down with Steph for an hour interview, I mean, obviously I would come up. I would there are some things I would want to know, but it'd be a, a tough time coming up with fresh content, right? <laughs> to yeah, ask Steph yeah, about, yeah. So that you know, I just felt like I knew a lot already. I had to get it out of my head and out of my you know bank of knowledge and into a book form. With KD, I didn't have much in my head. You know, I only had what you know from just following the NBA. And you just can't – you can't really know a player if you're just following, like, the games. You know right. what I'm saying? So, that, so without the, uh, you know, the let me shadow you around for a week and get in your life and, you know, how, <laughs> how authors do it. Man, I'm telling you, like – Book writing is nothing like it is on Californication. Y'all remember that show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. I, you know I, just, I just watched like, that on Amazon Prime the other day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, dang, man. So I'm going to have to get loaded with KD, get wasted, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do a couple lines with some rock stars he hang with and right, then right. publish it. But yeah, it ain't nothing like that. At least not for me anyway. Maybe <laughs> maybe Mike Silver got it that way or something. <laughs> man, I was just like, yo, uh, let's do this. But nah, so... I, I kind of needed that more for KD. And, you know, I I, I just need – I want to be clear. He has no uh, uh, responsibility to, to give that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not one of those people like, oh, you should have – like, no, you do what you want to do, right? I'm doing exactly what I want to do, right? <laughs> so I'm not I'm, – I don't disparage him not one bit for wanting to control what he participates in and, you know, and choosing other venues to do it. Like that's, that's absolutely fine. I don't mind that at all, but, uh, you know, not having that ingrained years of knowledge and the behind the scenes and understanding how, how he thinks and like the details of what his life was like, I had to kind of go get all that. So that's what made it more difficult. It's just not having the ingrained knowledge about KD. And uh, this came up. Uh, we both attended your um, Q&A at uh, East Bay Booksellers, um, I guess it was a couple nights ago. And I remember you saying at one point about maybe, I don't know if it was why you were maybe apprehensive, not apprehensive, but maybe didn't want to do or you, you said that you maybe you didn't understand and you've said this as well to or here that you don't didn't understand Katie or didn't you obviously you didn't know him going into this and so I wanted this is a bigger question but I think it kind of goes out of your previous responses that do you feel like now you do understand KD as much as another person you know in at least in this kind of those kinds of interactions can understand another person at the end of this process do you feel like you have some kind of window into him or you sort of understand him uh in a more complete way yeah I, I do I feel I feel like I do um the doing the book was pretty revelatory uh and I don't I do think a unique part of how I'm able to understand him is because my background is similar. So yeah. it's not like I took a, a graduate course on Kevin Durant and I passed with an A and that's why I know it. It's more like, <laughs> yo, this reminds me of this and I've had experience with this. And so uh, there, there are probably other people who know way more about Katie than me. But for me, my connection with him was being able to find these common threads 
in our lives and our backgrounds and our upbringings and our neighborhoods. And, and that's how, I, that's how it makes, that's how the context came alive for me. So like nobody, I don't think anybody knows KD better from the media game than Darnell Mayberry. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, like it just, it just came alive for me because, you know, like just the, the, the life that he has lived, like I can, I can just, I can find so many connections to it in, in my life. And that, that makes it, that made it different. That made it uh, a lot more easy to kind of understand what was happening. And I think that definitely, you get that sense reading it because there's a, a way that you, you know, you, the, the, the way you write about KD and the way you kind of think about it and kind of almost contextualize him. And it feels like you're thinking about him in these larger, I don't know what you call them, not sociological, but these sort of these bigger things, you're kind of situating him and finding him in there. And I think that it, that comes out of you connecting via that shared experience. So that's definitely something I, that I think translates into the, into the writing and comes through. Um, in Golden, one of the cons- sort of conceits you have is where these, I don't know, the different Steph Curry's. I can't remember the exact, the three you use, but there are the three. There's the Steph on the court. There's the Steph kind of in the, you know, in the business world and kind of or the corporate pitch man, yeah, whatever. Steph, Mr. Curry, and Wardell, right? Yeah. 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 yeah and it's the sort of this, um, like I said, this sort of organizing conceit. There isn't that same. You don't make that same rhetorical move uh, in KD regarding Durant. So I'm wondering if is there anything like that uh, in Durant's life, the way you see him, and just this as a more kind of a broad jumping off point to talk about maybe Steph and KD and kind of think about them, how they're alike, how they're not alike, uh, and maybe like how did you change how you sort of thought about them and thought about them together after having gone through writing these books about both of them? I think the difference is, and I don't want, and I'm not saying this to like disparage Steph in, in any way. But I think KD doesn't doesn't like change very much based on the setting, right? Like Steph can wear these hats and he can juggle these personas, and he can be he can be who he needs to be. Like we kind of saw that in Game Three, right? Like he can be the backdoor screener, the the passer, or the gravity piece, or he can go get forty seven, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, and and to do that. He can he can like adopt the mindsets for whatever is needed. So like when he's just you know, Stefan like like how he thinks about the world, how he sees the world, he knows how to put that mind on just to be a regular guy. I think KD is kind of like the same guy just in these different settings. So yeah. he's not like he's not like changing who he is. Like he's gonna wear his hoodie. To, to the game and to the and to the meeting where like fifty million dollars will be on the line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I did find that part. I do find Katie to be a guy with with multiple personalities. <laughs> I, I mean, I wrote that like I just he just like he he is a very di- diverse personality, right? Like he can be he can be many things, but I don't think he uses each per situation. You know, I think he I think he lives and he feels and it flows kind of organically like who he is like, you know, 
he can definitely be multiple people. I've seen him be the nicest guy in the world, and I've seen him be a straight-up G from Prince George's County. Right, right, right. <laughs> I've seen him be a smooth operator, like, you know, talking to people <laughs> we need to talk to, you know. I've seen him be one of the boys. Like, he can be all those guys, but I don't think the manifestation of those personalities is situational. It's just, it, it feels like, to me, it's a lot about how he feels and what kind of – what kind of drives his mood uh it's a trip too man the same dude who's like i'm the best in the world yeah is the same dude who's like man i just want to be on the team and and have fun and play basketball Mm -hmm. like and and like both of them are genuinely like true you know and one day the dude who just want to show you how good he is might dominate and the other day the dude who you know just like the camaraderie of team might dominate so you just like there's no like uh like the outside world kind of doesn't change him as much in that way yeah yeah it's and it's one of the things that's about this this team and the kind of the different the talent they've gathered is that they're all in this kind of is what you're saying that they're all i don't know complicated or uh I don't know, you know, that the, they all have these different sides and whether they're ones that are kind of maybe a little more cut and dry or they're ones that kind of just come and go or come and go depending on mood. But I think that's one of the things that maybe gets lost a little bit, you know, when we folk rightfully so on the talent that's on this team. But it's this really kind of unique collection of personalities and um, just the, the, the kinds of people and that they represent the the, I don't know what you call it, the complexity of the human experience and that we're all like people aren't just one thing there you can be different people or you can be and this comes up in the KD book sort of contradictory you can be both and this is kind of what you're saying the you on the one day you want to be I want to be the show everybody that I am number one at the top and then you have you know the day that, okay I want to be a part of the team and I want to be within this and just sort of pull back into it and i think that that you know just as you know and like you're saying why you wanted to do this to to um you know kind of address this important moment in basketball history and sort of you know cover it that also it's this just this interesting moment too that this this kind of team has been put together in the same way that they are all like human you know yeah. i know that sounds crazy but like they're these complex individuals and, and, and look, all people are complex, but I think we say that in saying that we mean that these players, like you have a unique way of existing in this singular experience as professional athletes, but also like projecting themselves to be more than that. Right. To be, to think outside of that, where often some guys who obviously are humans and have a, a, multiplicity of you know personalities and feelings they they only exist from the nba perspective as basketball players right they see that whole dude lens like russell westbrook comes to mind i mean i've never every everything i've ever heard about westbrook off the court is that he's this great dude (laughs) right but but when he presents himself to you it's just as this maniacal basketball player bent to destroy sit from another planet right uh and the warriors like exist publicly as these uh as these like as 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 most people do not as singular entities but i think what makes them unique 
is they not only operate that way, they uh, they expect and they allow for others to operate that way on their team. Right. It's not like they don't they don't tell people you have to be this way. They're much more embracing of the fact that you are multiple of ways and let's accommodate that into into this team. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's unique about it yeah. is is how you've got all these guys who have the intelligence, the emotional and I guess regular intelligence to just understand each other, right? And understand, you know, that some some people have flaws, some people have strengths, and the key is to maximize the strengths and not let the flaws burn you. So that is what I find is unique about it. Uh, just moment to moment, time to time, how you see them respond in a manner that shows that they see and understand. Like in like in when they won the first championship of 2017, and KD finally gets to this pinnacle, and he's got his he got his two trophies on the stage, and he's on top of the world. I remember in his press coverage, he spent like a good two three minutes defending Steph Curry, like how he's tired of people ripping Steph. I remember, you know that. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember that. like that's a dude who who like is just emotionally and intellectually aware of what's happening around him, but also like have a heart enough to say like this person, I don't like what's happening. Let me say something. I think a lot of that is unique, not in that they have it, but that they express it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the difference. And like, I think all of these players have it, all of these players there. I mean, they're people, right? People are inherently multiple, you know, multiplicitous, right. Or manifold, but like when you to get to their level, you got to be so compartmentalized and so singularly focused that sometimes it's hard to be a person, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I think. They just, they've all, and you know, I, I wrote about this in the book. I don't think it's a coincidence that they all end up on the Warriors at a certain time in their life where they can, they can not think they, they don't have to think so singularly, right? They, they have the luxury and the freedom, uh, to, to kind of view the world a different way. I really believe that. I really believe that that window of 28 to 32 where you just like all people, all men, yeah. not even just professional athletes. At some point, that's where you like you at the club wondering, yo, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. <laughs> you just yes. get to that age of life where it's like, man, all right, I got to be more. I got to do something right. more. You know, you start reading books and junk, right? I think, <laughs> I Sanskrit. Think, you know what I'm saying, right? I think, I think a lot of these players have come to the Warriors in that window of life where it's like, it's gotta be something bigger. And they didn't come to the Warriors where it's like, I gotta get mine. You gotta get yours. Right. So I think there was, there's some kind of magnetism about that. How it all seemed like Andre, you know, Kevin Durant, Sean Livingston, right. They all came like after having some success uh, in that, in that mature window of life, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like they say, they say men uh, don't fully mature to 41 <laughs> <laughs> and women fully mature like 32 which right. means we probably start at about 30 in the yeah. pro- you know what I'm saying? so it, it just makes sense that they're all on on this team in this space yeah. uh, I, I don't think that's a coincidence get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I kind of thought about it, and I'd noticed those things, but you're you're right that it's... It, it, it's all they're all at that time and yeah that that, that would allow the, the the space or the way these things are set up and the war the different kind of people they have around like would allow them to do that 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 makes a lot of sense and i hadn't thought of that so i'm kind of jealous i hadn't thought of that but you know you gotta you gotta be okay with sacrifice i mean that's yeah. a lot of it right it's the maturity to make yeah. life not 100 about me yeah. and to find like a pleasure in sacrifice, you know, with, I'm in like a, uh, like a collective of young men. We ain't young no more, but <laughs> you know, we talk all the time and it's like, like as married men, we find pleasure in taking ales. Wow, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's like you spend so much of the early parts of your marriage fighting for these W's. Right. <laughs> and then you start realizing, man, love is sacrifice. That's what real love is. So, like, love starts with ill. You know what brother. I'm saying? So, like, if if somebody uh, if somebody betrayed you, I mean, I know you know this, Doctor Tom. You said you a doctor and all. So if, somebody, <laughs> if somebody betrays you, the first thing you do in response is to start listing off the ways that you sacrifice for them. It's like you did this to me after I did all this for you, and then you start listing all the ways that you sacrifice for them. Because you're saying, man, I express this grand love to you, and your response is betrayal. Like, right. that's real love. So, like, we all like got to that age where it's like, man, if we see these sacrifices or these L's as sacrifice and sacrifice as an exhibit of love, then it becomes a point of pride. Like, yes, I take L's for my wife. Right. <laughs> like, that's how I show. So if she ever do something, I'm gonna be like, man, you know what? You did this after all I've done for you. I've done X, Y, Z. She'd be like, yeah, you're right. I just feel like like we all kind of get to that point. Hopefully, at some point, as a process of maturity and these dudes on this team, they they not only are willing to sacrifice, they see the value in it. I think right. that's that. I think that's part of why Kevin Durant came. Like he sees the value and people being willing to sacrifice for each other. Was well, actually, I'm wondering because in that same vein, in the sense that you know, it's kind of a built-in equity in, in a relationship there, uh, in the in relationship between uh, Bay Area fans and their sports teams, where you know, a lot of times we're the we're the farm league. Yep. For the, the rest of the, you know, whatever sports you're in, baseball, the A's, football, Raiders. I mean, we had Randy Moss and did nothing with him. And he goes to the Patriots and destroys all the records. And then you look at the Warriors, especially when you've got Run TMC, C Web, the whole we believe thing. It's like lighting in the bottle and the bottle breaks and it's gone. How do you feel um, that affects uh, the fan base, considering with a talent like KD, where, you know, he's the ultimate weapon, great guy, and he's, you know, and rightfully so saving his uh, free agency decision until later on. How do you think that jives with the fan base that sees Steph and Clay? Like, I want to be Warriors for life. And then, you know, here's a guy he would love to have who is saying, ah, we'll see. How do you think that affects that? Especially in the East Bay, right? Like, you know, town business is all about the chip on the shoulder, right? It's all about, like, you know, 
feeling like the world is kind of against you and you only got your few homies. That's real. I feel like there was a hesitancy from the Warriors fan base simply because Katie didn't commit. Like, I think they were ready to go all in, but they were like, well, hold on. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? I always feel, I still feel that way. The moment he signs that five year deal, everything will change. <laughs> you know, like, and if he did it already, it would be different, right? I right. just feel like it's a scarred, like from a sports perspective, traumatized fan base in an area that is largely centered on, like, you know, it, like kind of like an inferiority complex or a chip on the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And that's why they love Draymond. Right, mm-hmm. that's why they let, like Steph knows what he's doing. Steph, Steph has Steph is from Charlotte, and in ten years he's become, you know, like a central figure in Oakland. Like that is hard to do, man. Like how many <laughs> yeah. how many people have come here and been great, and still just aren't like staples in the community like that. Like like where the whole community is like, yeah, that's our dude, right? Like. There's something about and it fits Steph, right? Like underdog yeah. chip on the shoulder. Like I get it. I'm super loyal. I, I just feel like there was a great there's a great desire to embrace KD like that. But people are just protective of their hearts. Like, hold on, man. I'm not about to I'm not about to bend the knee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, until I know. And, and you know what, what's funny is I think KD banked on the fact that he's a good dude. And he's an incredible basketball player, and right. that would that would win over Hearts. And I, I actually think both ended up right, and KD's just took a little bit longer because I felt like this year, especially in this playoffs, where where people were just like, all right, man, look, like I know you ain't signed yet, but I'm about to bend this knee just because you're that good. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm it was just a, it just it just took time. We, you know? we we know who you are. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, we know who you are. I, I just think I do think it took time. That's why I feel like if he signs, it's over. Like <laughs> they go to Chase and it's him and Steph and Draymond and Clay and it's no longer those three plus KD. It's, I mean they it's all built on all of it. This, the Draymond, all that is built on the fact that people want KD. Right. <laughs> right. It's right. not out of like, I don't like you or whatever. It's like, man, I really want you. And I'm a little hesitant because I'm not sure if you want me back. Right. right yeah. Right. That makes sense. I mean, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, the history of barrier sports has definitely been people we love and embrace. I, I remember having a Miguel Tejada jersey. Okay. Like, I remember <laughs> it was real. And uh, he was gone. And uh, that dude, Jason kinda... Giambi, shaved off his one like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all he had was the, was the was the goatee, right? Like, oh yeah, that was his only market employee way before you know everybody had a beard. It was like right. Giambi hitting home runs, and he's got this goatee, and yeah. he gave it all up to be a Yankee. I mean, it's a a, t- a team. Well, has has left and is leaving again. Like it's just, it's unfortunately, it's and you know that's yeah, it's gonna breed an inferiority complex. Although Marcus, I don't know if you caught it in the ringer, they uh, mentioned your name among uh, Gary Payton and Brian Shaw for EOYDC Legends. <laughs> I was like, oh snap! Like I didn't know, uh, you know, eighty second E one foe would you know go national, but I think it's curious that 
with the way that Oakland, you know, is having their team pulled out at the same time that Kevin Durant may or may not leave. It's really like the most final finals ever for Bay Area fans, especially in the East Bay, because it's like we're losing the team to San Francisco and KD might leave. So is this the most important championship of all of them for Oakland fans? Oh, nah, it's, it's hard to top the first ones. Okay. It's hard to top, like, the realization of fantasy, right, where nobody ever expected it to happen and just that bliss. I will never forget the first parade mm. in Oakland. It was crazy. It was like God kissed it. The weather was perfect. <laughs> right? Right. It was unbelievable. And I remember I walked around the lake with my family, and, like, it was unbelievable the the varying types of people that were together. And not, like, just together. I'm talking about crammed together, like sardines. You know, yeah. you got the, fam- the family of four, and the guy got on the 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 peach, the peach uh, polo shorts, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the sweater over his shoulder to be like, man, you... you- we know, we know you from the hills. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and right, you came through the tunnel to get here. Yeah, right. And right next to right next to him, like all like almost like touching shoulders, is like five dudes from East Oak and pla- passing blunts. You know right, what I'm right, like, right. It was just like you walking around and think it was like, man, this is like all of Oakland crammed together. Like from Rock Ridge to East Oakland, you know what I'm saying? Like from West Oakland to to Fruitvale, you know, the African-Americans, the affluent whites, the Latina, like all of it was together on this perfect day by the lake in Oakland. Like, like that, that was the deliverance of something incredible that I feel like everybody's like, man, we had that. So it's good. Whatever happens is good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and I think whatever happens now is like a parting gift. Y'all should see my wife bring me some coffee and she's tiptoeing like a straight cat burglar. Hillary, <laughs> <laughs> I said, thank you for the marriage advice. I appreciate it. Saved me already. She gave you marriage advice? What, she did, what? man. She did. Yeah. She, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And I told you you shouldn't be listening to that mess. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, she definitely mentioned the part about taking L. So I think you're on the same page there. <laughs> that's because I taught her well. <laughs> I told you I've been carrying the thing for 18 years. He's like, I got it out the mud. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like you know what I mean. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Here's I, here's my two worlds. Let me tell y'all. Okay. Like people don't understand my plight, so I'm gonna tell y'all because you know what I'm saying. Like I'm on your couch right now. Right. <laughs> I'm I, like I'm a journalist, man. I've been a journalist since. I was a sophomore in high school and I didn't even know it. Uh, I probably was a journalist before that, like growing up in the streets. I was the, always the one, like back in my day, if you heard some shots or you heard some chaos, you ain't supposed to be getting in the window looking. Right? Right. right. I was yeah. always in the window looking. Wow. <laughs> I used to always get in trouble. You know what I'm Because I'm like, I just wanted to see, I wanted to know what was happening. Uh, it's just funny, like looking back on that type of stuff, but there's a part of me that loves like storytelling and loves the art of writing and the craft. And like, I'm just like, I mean, yeah, this is what happens. Change is part of the story of life. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like what? Like, yeah, I used to buy shoes at this store. That store is gone. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I got to buy shoes. 
right? Like this, like all right, like the, this team was here and now it's good. Like part of me is like, all right, these are new stories to tell. These are new. This is new life being formed, new stories being made, new existences. Right? I'm not sure that a city without a basketball team is worse. I'm not sure from the people who are growing up there, who from there, and how they feel about their city. I don't know if they feel like they their existence was invalidated because they didn't have a basketball. I don't know. I feel Headline, like Marcus Thompson doesn't care about the Warriors leaving Oakland. You feel me? So I mean that's my my existence as a as a human, as a writer, as somebody who just loves stories and telling stories and how they unfold. You right. just really watch the plot. You just watch it unfold, right? Like I don't know yeah. what my daughter's gonna be. The whole point is like the joy of watching her girl. Sometimes I watch her and I'm like, oh wow, she's gonna be a writer. Oh no, nah, she's gonna be a musician. Oh no, nah, she's gonna like marry a dope dealer and be a baby daddy. It would, you know, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know what's gonna happen. It might happen, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like she's gonna like drop out of college and go with some guitar dude all over Europe. Like I don't I don't know. Like I have no idea what's gonna happen. So right. I'm like watching, interested in how the story plays out. So yeah. part of me looks at this situation like this. They're gonna go to San Francisco. My job is to track the story. This is what we do. But then there's another part of me that I don't really get to escape in my day to day life of people who are legit mad. <laughs> Right. right, like right. I can't go anywhere without hearing about this. I can't go to church. I go to church, and that's all I hear about is man. I can't, you know what I'm saying? I go to the hood. Like there are people who are legit mad, and they're like, "Man, you got to speak for us." Wow, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's like this is these two worlds I exist in, and then you know you start thinking about. I do. I have the same Oakland chip, right? I do. I mean, bottom line, they had the option to go wherever they wanted and they didn't choose here. And I don't really right. care what the explanation is for why they went somewhere else. It makes perfect sense. But it don't change the fact that you didn't choose here, which burns, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so I know I know I got some uh I know they wasn't feeling my uh analogy. One person wasn't feeling my analogy in the book title, but but like you know, Beyonce. Yeah, like <laughs> if if I if Beyonce said what's up last night at the game, like you know what, bye Jay Z. I want to I want to be with Marcus Thompson. I, you know, and I call my wife and I'm like, hey, I'm with Beyonce now. Like she would understand that. She would understand cognitively why that's a good move for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I get to be with a billionaire and arguably one of the most beautiful people ever created. <laughs> So she would come to Golden State of Mind like you need to speak for me about my pain. You're just saying, no, nah, she would, but she would also be hurt. Yeah, she would need somebody yeah. to tell her story, right? Like, hold right, on, right. man, this, like he, like I don't care who he chose, he didn't choose choose me. And for the right. record, I would never choose Beyonce over my wife. Facts, of course, of course. but Facts. but uh, but like that still stings, and yeah. I get to be reminded that it stings all of the time, like right. all of the time, right? If the Warriors are losing, like last night, whenever the Warriors are losing, oh, my geez. phone is blowing up. They need to just go home and get up out of here. Just go, you know. They don't even like Oakland. Why are they always losing in Oakland? <laughs> it's never like I can't separate these two worlds. It's that well. It's that same like you're talking about with the player. Like there, it's. I mean, it can be two things at once. Like it can be, you know, like okay, this whether it's like okay, this makes sense. Uh, you know, I see why you're you would make that move to San Francisco for these reasons, and you can like understand that. But you can also be like, ah, but yeah, you didn't you didn't choose Oakland, and like and that's that that can be you know as an observer uh, that can be okay at least that's kind of the where i've come with it where it's like yes i would i'd prefer it if it was still in oakland because 
I'm from here, you know, that's, 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 and that's where all of this started, but also like, yeah, no, I get it. It makes sense. And, and maybe it's just like, oh, there are other things to be more angry about or worried about. There's the, uh, I love this line in one of my favorite TV shows is Mad Men. It's where Don Draper says change isn't good or bad. It simply is. is. Yeah. Yeah. And and I sort of feel that uh, about this. There's another Don Draper line I use a lot. That's what the money's for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Or, they, you know, oh, you want to see what, like, yeah, you're going to get more money and then you're going to be able to sign more players and dip into the luxury tax if you're, you know, out there in the, you know, sh- scraping gold out in San Francisco. Like, you literally get to keep this going if the players yeah. decide because of, right. of where you're going. Like, I, again, I, I think I said this a, a few times, but. If I spent four hundred fifty million dollars, I wish somebody would tell me what I could do with my business. Like, so I'm not telling Joe Leggett what to do with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the dude spent his money. Like that's his right. is not a handout. There's no yeah. like state sales tax on sneakers. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they didn't cancel food stamps to give him the money. Like that dude paid his own money that he worked for that he earned. He hustled up four hundred fifty million dollars. He should absolutely do. Whatever he want to do, because if I True. get four fifty, I wish y'all would tell me what to do. <laughs> you know what I'm like, so, like, I have to respect that. Like, that's what he did, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. And I, I, I will say this, right? I know we haven't gotten to game three yet, but the man, this crowd, yo, it was like that. <laughs> like, especially going to Toronto and. Toronto was very nostalgic. It really mm-hmm. made you, it reminded what it used to be like, like right. when it was all fresh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, yeah, oh, I remember this. Yeah, like I'm talking about going to the arena hours before it is lit. People lining up in the morning for a night game. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, where the whole city, everything. Right. You go anywhere. Everybody got on the Raptors jersey or something. Everybody's talking about it. Like, oh, I remember this. Like, yeah, like, so the juxtaposition of them being on the stage for the first time and just that fresh, that new love, you know what I'm saying? That, that yeah, 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 those yeah. early sparks of the romance, like, to see it like what the Warriors have now, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> low key, <laughs> low key. I was just asking people. I remember in 07 going to Dallas. Uh, the Warriors, you know, in the first two games were in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking after game two, actually before game two. And we were talking about, like, you know, how – because it, it used to get crazy in Dallas, make no mistake. It used to be lit in there. Okay. And it was like, man, so what are you expecting from Oracle? That was the question. What are you expecting from Oracle? Man, it was crazy. They were like, oh, I mean, y'all think this is like you watch when we get to like, that's all they talked about. I remember writing an article about what they were expecting from Oracle fans. So I tried to kind of revisit that. Yeah, it didn't fly. <laughs> I think everybody kind of understand, you know, what what's happening here, like yeah. and how it just won't be the same anymore. Right. And yeah. it's just not that, which was a little like, damn, man. Like Oracle can't get lit one last time. Wow, you know what I'm saying? Like it can't go down one more time. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like always that. Let's throw one more party, man. That party will never be like the first party. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, it's the you know you're talking using these kind of um, 
analogy or metaphors or whatever, but it's, you know, maybe the difference between the, yeah, like you said, like when you, and you first meet someone and like you said, it's like cr- that, that crazy, like head over heels in love and it's like fiery and ecstatic, but like versus, okay, committed, lo- you know, a long, like a marriage or a long-term relationship. But like eh, sometimes those, you know, those, those fire that they, they, they burn you and maybe you see someone where you're like oh wow or oh wow i missed that i remember that but then you think of oh there's all the other stuff that goes along with it and it's like man maybe maybe it's good where we're at right now but oh yeah many relationships have been ruined trying to recapture that first spark yeah yeah like nah you just gotta adjust to the new sparks yeah the new sparks i like that That's the, the uh, third book from Marcus Thompson, The New Sparks. Way to get your relationship back on track. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like the all that is is just energy to get you through the do the mess. Right. Like all that like all them initial spark of romance and the endorphins going crazy. <laughs> it's to it's necessary for you to get through the person's flaws and the mess enough to be ready to make that real commitment because that's going away and after a while you're like man hold on how many kids you got all right <laughs> let's figure it out man let's, we in this thing let's go you know what i'm saying like hold, hold on you do what this is your habit oh yeah all right well i'm in it now let's go but you right, need right, them endorphins right. you need that spark you know what i'm saying like that's how it worked speaking of that i'm wondering for a, a guy who's you know basically covered basketball royalty for a long time um is there any player or any person that you meet doing the job that makes you feel like, you know, the endorphin rush, like, oh, snap, I'm in front of so-and-so? Or is it all like old Man, I've had that feeling two times. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for one of these. <laughs> Beyonce? No. <laughs> Actually, low-key, real talk, it wasn't Beyonce, but I met Beyonce. See, back in the day at All-Star Games, we could go on the court. Okay. So after the game, like, you would go and you would do interviews on the court and all that. So I remember we were in Denver for an All-Star game. What year was that? Man, that was so long ago. Was that oh, oh 04, oh 05? It had to be. It had to be. Man, I, it had to be a long time ago. I, I just remember because my wife was with me, but she had a ticket in the nosebleeds. <laughs> Right. And so she was like watching me like on the court and I was just like, yo, I'm on the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I was just like, man, this is dope. I'm on the court. So uh, Beyonce was on the court. Yeah. I mean, they weren't like Beyonce and Jay-Z. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, five. Right. Yeah. They weren't Bonnie and Clyde yet. But, uh, you know, I went I'm standing right there with Beyonce. I'm, I'm not like a picture dude. So I yeah. introduced myself, right? But uh, so I did meet Beyonce like that. Jay Z was super like he was. He, I was surprised by how cool he was. Right? I hmm. thought it was he was very he was very like like very well mannered. Like mm-hmm. you know, like it, it wasn't like yo, what's up? Bro? You know, it was like hello, man. How are you? It's a pleasure. <laughs> to meet you. I was like, really? Is this the same dude that made Big Pimpin'? but uh but take over i know what's up you know what i'm saying like so uh it it was just like the my one where i got frazzled right where it was like yo was was alan iverson and it was every time it wasn't like the first time i mean i was like 
I always felt I was the, I was a diehard Jordan fan, right? I was like Jordan through and through. Like mm-hmm. I watched my Come Fly with Me VHS until the tape broke. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, come fly with me. <laughs> they don't even know about these man. Like come, come fly, fly with me. me used to be everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I was more of an airtime guy. That yeah, was my yeah, favorite. okay, all right. I remember that one too. I watched all those things religiously. Matter of, matter of fact, I was when I moved like five years ago. Uh, I found my NBA superstars VHS. That the NBA superstars most slept though highlight reel. This is before you <laughs> people don't know about that, but they Throwback. went through and they had the music to go with each player. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I like Jordan was my guy, but man, I had like Iverson is that dude who was emotional for me, like because Iverson was the hood, yeah, like, right, right in basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like Iverson made who I was and where I was from legit acceptable. Like that dude was mm-hmm. a pipe hyper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like for all the years I had been told to pull up my pants and put on a suit like Iverson made was like the version of, oh, yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I can yeah. make it. You know what I'm saying? And all right. of the, the uh, I mean, you know, this is like on some deep, like, you know, uh, uh, Booker T, Dubois type debate. But, like, <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of this whole ideology around making sure you present yourself a certain way. So, in essence, white people will accept you. Yeah, like and right. the inferiority complex that it presents. Allen Iverson was like, "Oh hell no!" You know what I'm saying? Like, so Allen Iverson was that guy. Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, he was he he was he felt like one of us in a way that I have never felt that way for a player before. Like, remember that? Remember they just did the whole like when he retired when he came on Philly, I was crying. Like, that's my guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I watched every yeah. Iverson documentary. So when I met Iverson, the funny part was. Back in the, in the interview room where the playoffs happened, where the post game interviews happened at Oracle now, used to be the visiting team's family room. Okay, right. So like if you you know they would all go congregate in there, and it wouldn't be that man AI would have that thing like the Linus Club in Oakland, like three hundred <laughs> people in there, like it was <laughs> it was so crazy, and like to meet Allen Iverson was like man that was tough. I remember we were on the beat, go to Philly, going to Philly locker room. I'm trying to, I'm coming up with a reason to interview Allen Iverson because I just want to interview Allen Iverson. And I couldn't even get a question out. I was like, yo, that's a, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, real. That, that's the one player who I've been that way with. And the other was Skylar Diggins. Oh, the Hooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skylar Diggins was low key so fine. I got flustered. When I, <laughs> I was like, "Yo, I thought that was TV." Like, nah, you. Really, <laughs> I just interviewed. Remember they do the uh, the like the in the All Star game where it's like the the WNBA player, the retired player. It's like the shooting competition. Oh yeah, like, yeah. He did that. It was in the scrub, and I went to ask her something about like. I think I was writing a piece on staff and I wanted a women's player take it. I was like, oh, I'll go interview Sky. Yo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> uncomfortable. I think I'm a walk away right now. <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of stunning. So that was about two times. All right. Okay, that's real. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll take that back. There was one other. I was interning in New York and Spreewell. 
Uh, yeah, when I interned in New York, the Knicks, Spree Wells on the Knicks, and they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I got to go. I was a runner. Uh, I would basically run. I ran the film. This is how long ago it was. I ran the film from the photographer's court side to the photographer's room, and pre and post game, I would get quotes because in New York, you got to have a spot. Like you can't. You can't be it. You can't go from Steph to Draymond, right? You got to camp out of Steph, and that's what you was getting because okay. there's so many media members. You just like everybody's camped out at a spot, and if you ain't there and you don't have a boom mic, you're not getting the quotes. And they were it wasn't like these days where they put you on the podium or they make somebody from make sure somebody from the league is there so they can transcribe all the quotes. That what they had at back then. So it was my job to get the quotes, and I remember Spreewell wasn't talking. <laughs> and I got him to talk to me. Overall? Yeah, and everybody was like, man, how you do that? And I was like, this town business, don't worry about that. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> it was one of the proudest moments. But it was hella cool because I had a Spreewell poster in my wall in college. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's when people like didn't even know where everybody everybody who came to my room from the East Coast was like, who is that? I'm like, man, that's the trail Spreewell. <laughs> yeah. Talking about. That was when he was a landlord. Right, 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 right. Like, what are you talking about? And then, uh, and then, uh, they would be like, "Oh, you play for the Warriors?" And they'd be like, "And I'm telling you, like, seventy percent of respondents was like, they they in L.A., right?" Wow. I used to be yeah. like, "You don't even know where the Warriors are." Like, you cannot wow. talk to me in no debate. <laughs> well, I feel like most folks didn't know about uh, Oakland um, until uh, the Vince Carter dunk contest. Oh, that's probably a good point. I was on the court for that, by the way. Oh wow! Overall, yeah, it's crazy. The further you get away from o- the Oakland, like in just the, geographically, the less people know where it is. Because I remember, like uh, you know, middle of the country, it's like okay, some people have you said okay from Oakland, whatever. You start to get to the East Coast, I'd start to say like, where are you from, Oakland? Huh? Uh, San Fr- close to San Francisco. Like, oh, okay. So I think I it's think like hip hop. People know where Oakland is, but outside of hip hop, they got no idea. Because yeah, short made like Hammer, but like just regular. I feel like, especially on the East Coast, people think California is like Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? Like hella small <laughs> and yeah. all of it is close. They'd be like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm people people still do that to this day. Yo, man, I'm going I'm about to be in LA next week. We should kick it. Like you know that's not where I'm at, right? Like <laughs> hella far. <laughs> right, I mean, right. if you want to make that four hour drive up here or take that flight, but right. people do that all the time. Ain't you right there, man? It's Cali. No. Nah. I don't know. They don't know. I think that's why a lot of people don't um, really get the angst you were talking about earlier, you know, from people from the East Bay who were talking about Oakland going to San Francisco because they go, oh, and he like across the bridge. And I'm like, you don't even understand, player. It's across yeah. the bridge, but it's a world away. Right. Yeah. Right. That's real. Um, actually, I have a question uh, from a GSON fan. Um, Marcus, if sports commentary wasn't on the books, what would you be doing instead? Oh, man. Uh, so I, I, who knows? I like always wanted to be an architect. Hmm. That's what I, I funny story. I went to school in Atlanta on some last minute tip because I was supposed to. I had my heart set on going to USC. OK. And money didn't work out. So I went to school in Atlanta. I literally only went because it was hella far from Oakland. And I just I just wanted to make sure. I got about right. Like it was just like, let me go hella far. So I got to make it work. 
Like, I right, literally, right. that's why I chose Clark Atlanta. <laughs> and I had a wow. girl in my neighborhood who went there. She was like, yeah, it's cool. You should go. I was like, all right. That's all you but needed. I, out of all the places that I went, I just, I really picked the furthest one. Because <laughs> I, I got accepted. I remember I got accepted to Colorado. And it was my first acceptance letter. And I was like, dude, I was so hyped. I mean, because, you know, growing up in the hood, everybody tell you, especially in the 90s, like, go to college. College is your way out. College, 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 right. college, college. Like, that was the way out. That's what everybody who was over 25 told you. Like, I had dope dealers telling me that, right? right? Like, <laughs> So when I finally got my first acceptance letter, it was like, all right, I made it, right? I remember my daddy telling me, oh, man, it's, it's Colorado. Ooh, it's snow. I was like. <laughs> What? What's snow? Nah. <laughs> I never left Oakland. I don't know. Like, it was right. like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's cold in Colorado. It's Ooh. real cold. You have a good time. I was like, man, I don't know about no snow. <laughs> like, what is that? The snow I know was was Coke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like snow represented either Coke or a metaphor for white people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I chose Atlanta because it was hella far. And I remember getting there. Thinking, you know, I was going to major in architecture. I remember getting to Clark Atlanta and I had to declare a major and I was looking for architecture to what on there. And I was like, y'all ain't got architecture? They was like, yeah, nah. They said, wow. we, have, they was like, we got a five-year program with Georgia Tech. We do three years here, you do two years there and you, you know, you get a master's in, you know, architecture or whatever. And I was like, right. yeah, I'm not staying here for five years. So <laughs> I looked on the list and I looked for another major. I was like, all right, man, let's do, let's do journalism. Since I did it in high school, let's do it. Yo, that's fascinating. Right? That that decision like changed everything. Like, dude, like seriously, I told um, a friend of mine. I was like, yeah, you know, went to Marcus Thompson's book signing. They were like, the dude from the newspaper, and I was like, yeah, like the dude from the athletic. I was like, yeah. They were like, oh, he's that dude. And so it, I was cracking up laughing because I was like chopping up with you, you know, talking to you, you know, you making the Beyonce jokes, you know, for your family. Da da da. It was like, yo, Marcus is real cool peoples, but on the flip side. You're like a dude who, like, you know, as quoted by Marcus Thompson from the Athletic. It's so irritating, yo. It's so irritating. I can, I, can I just say that's the worst part about all this, bro? I'm just like, man, you, man. I grew up in barber shops, man. You just be saying stuff. <laughs> like, why y'all be making national news? Out? I'm just talking. Like, relax. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I hate that. Like, why? And, and man, I've had so many players tell me this. But when you say something, you know, it becomes big news. You can't just be saying, right, like, right. dude, like, we in the barbershop. All this is barbershop. None of this, is, none of this matters. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's your, it's, your, it's your job to talk about this stuff. Like, if you're not talking about it, you're not, you're not, you're not doing your job. So you have to talk about it. But then it becomes, yeah, well, Mar- it, Marcus Thompson said blah, 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 blah. And it's out of it's context. Just, yeah, it's my opinion. Like, I can be wrong. It's fine. Yeah. I can be wrong. Like, I picked the Warriors to win the series. I might be wrong. It's okay. You're wrong in the barbershop. Nobody. <laughs> I just, I hate when my opinion becomes the story. Well, you know what's crazy? At the book signing, I remember you said, uh, like, an open question. You said, how many times does Stephen Clay take a bad shot? And in my brain, I was like, never. You know, like, just <laughs> not one bad shot. But it dawned on me. I was like, they take a hell of bad shots. But again, the fact that you said it, it, like, meant something different. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Y'all need to stop that. I'm the old dude in the barbershop that ain't getting cut. He just in there talking. Chilling. <laughs> he eating chicken. You know what I'm saying? Waiting, waiting to play checkers with somebody. Yeah, I was going to say playing checkers. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me. 
by the way, um, to answer that last question, I wanted to be an architect, but the reality that I know now, considering like you know, I've uh, I've like actually got to see it play out, I would probably be a teacher. Really? That's the answer? Yeah. I mean, I'm a teacher now, so it makes sense. Yeah, I actually looked up your uh, rate my professor grade, man. It was pretty good. It's pretty, good. It's pretty high. Man, don't be looking at that. It's like, <laughs> like analyzing somebody off Twitter. Don't don't look at those things seriously. I never look at I never look at it. It's like it's upsetting, let me tell you. <laughs> I, I refuse I refuse to be judged by people who ain't even finished college yet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta remember that one. <laughs> you need help picking a class like come on <laughs> that's real that's real uh, so going to game four um, how are you feeling about this, oh, this uh, health crisis we have going on in the Bay it's hard to know how to feel I mean Clay is supposed to be back Friday right yeah so the question is how does he look I feel like if Clay comes back it becomes a dog fight of a series okay Right, one of those knock him out, drag him out, seven games, and you know, see who got the best chops. Right. And in that situation, you know, I lean towards the Warriors' experience. Mm-hmm. KD comes back, the Warriors become favorites, and I feel like the Raptors would be in trouble, and they would kind of need to play like they did in Game Three, to like the rest of the series. Right? They would yeah. have to, they would have to make seventeen threes. They would have to hold the Warriors to forty percent under forty percent shooting, or maybe like low forties, right? Which is you know tough to do when KD's on the court. So if if it, if they don't get either back, or if like they only get Clay back and Clay is less than, then maybe they have a puncher's chance. But I mean, the Raptors are just better in that yeah. situation, and usually yeah. the better team just wins. So. Uh, I, I, we kind of just got to wait and see. I, one thing I've learned about the finals, which is about playoffs in general, is these things are always way longer than we think. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, it just it's like, yo, this is game three. Game seven is two weeks away, it feels like. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's right. all <laughs> So uh, I know the tendency is to kind of ride with each wave. And, you know, I kind of, like, take that from the Warriors. I take a lot of cues from the people involved, you know, uh, so you can kind of sense from them when the angst is there, when it's not. And they're still talking like, yeah, this is going to be a long series. When really, if they lose game four, they could be out in five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? <laughs> but they're like, yeah, man, it's going to be a long series. Clay, won't you chill one more game? And, you know what I'm saying? Like, so – but they have a vibe of, all right. I mean, their vibe is like, all right. They, you know, they got punched in the mouth and it's bleeding. They're like, oh, okay, Toronto, you know what I'm saying? You, you about it. Let's go. Right, right, that's right. Kinda, that's kind of the vibe that I get from them. So, I mean, I've just been inclined to roll with that. I remember, I will never forget 2016. I thought that was, I thought it was over. Yeah. After game four, I was like, oh, you guys are done. Yeah, <laughs> right. I literally right. asked Steph, "So are you worried?" And he's like, "What? Worried? Have you not seen us? Do you not? Do you not watch us?" Right. Like I was like, "Bro, I just watched y'all get dragged around Oklahoma. <laughs> like, like what are you talking about?" And he was just like, "Miffed." Like he even laughed as he walked mm-hmm. away from like 
it was unbelievable. And I was like, man, that dude tripping. And Draymond was like, yeah, we're going to win the series. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and of course they won. The, you know what I'm saying? It's just like these dudes are, they're just different. So I still think they can lose this series, but like until they lose it, you know, it's hard, yeah. not to, it's hard not to believe in their, in their confidence. Right. And I have, I, I, I will tell you this. I do probe like largely in the off the record capacity to kind of get like the true sense of how they feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah. it's not like, Hey, there's a, Hey, are you worried? Oh no, we're not worried. We're champions, champions. And then turn the recorder off and you give them that look like, <laughs> really? You know really? What I'm like what you, you know what I'm saying? And they're usually pretty honest, at least with me. They're usually pretty honest, and they they aren't worried yet. I think I think they know if they don't get players back, it's in trouble. But I think they are expecting players back, so they're just holding holding the fort until it's until it's a matter of time. But it, usually, man, these dudes are right. Draymond is not wrong that often. Now, let me tell you, that dude is a savant. So <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's not like and he don't lie either. You know what I'm saying? So he's not like like he after the game he was like, yeah, I was terrible. You know what I'm saying? He he don't he don't lie and say, oh man, they were tripping the refs. He's like, man, I gotta play better. Yeah. <laughs> but if I play better, we win. And usually he's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like there's like a, a conspiracy going on. I mean, that's being made up, I guess, on the internet. But I woke up this morning to a bunch of texts from my friends from the DMV, and they're all like, "Katie ain't coming back. Katie ain't coming back." And I'm like, yo, what happened there? You know what's hella funny? I'm like, who got friends at the DMV? Like, everybody hates the DMV. Then I'm like, oh, wait a second. You mean (laughs) D.C., Maryland, Virginia? (laughs) (laughs) You mean those people? I just wrote a whole chapter on it. Yeah, I'm like. My bad, my bad. That dude said, man, I called somebody, my friend from the DMV, to ask about the Warriors. Be like, man, can you get my registration taken care of? You got friends at the DMV? Uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, you're right. I'm sorry. We, we were talking to a Bay Area audience as well. Apologize for that. Right. Um, I, I just wrote a whole chapter on DMV, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I just think it's fascinating that the, the people who I think in this whole, you know, Warriors, Katie, you know, saga, the people from the DMV obviously have Katie's back because he's one of their own, you know, from the soil. And they're hitting me up like, tell Marcus Thompson to tell the truth. Is Katie coming back or not? Now, again, I'm not going to ask you that because who, who knows? But. I do think it's fascinating that people are already like bracing themselves for the news that he's not coming back. I mean, look, I feel like I've always felt like he was coming back, but I'm, I definitely understand that angst at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And just the way these things usually play out, you normally hear when people are about to come back. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like when Cousins it was like, oh, man, it's just – you know, he'll be, he'll be, he might be ready for game one. Like the scuttle just works its way out. And the truth is, and look, if any young journalist out there trying to be in this craft, always remember this. People cannot shut up. The whole industry <laughs> is based on people's inability to shut up. Everybody okay. spills a secret. Now, they don't always spill it to journalists, but everybody's got to talk to somebody. Secrets are like cancers. You just got to get them out of you, right? So just know that people all are always talking. So these people who are always talking about media making stuff up, like nah, yo, people talking. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's, right, it's right. not like now. Look, they may not be right. They may yeah. be off base, but I find it very hard to believe that most media are like Hayden Christensen to shattered glass. Right? 
<laughs> like nobody's out here Jason Blair in it. People are talking to people who are talking because people can't stop talking. And usually yeah. that means you hear when something's coming. So the lack of KD game, like we already have, we're hearing Clay for game four. Like yeah. before the game, Woj is reporting, the Warriors want to sit Clay, but Clay wants to play. Like you're not hearing that stuff for KD. You know what I'm saying, uh, and and maybe, yeah. and maybe that's and and part of that is probably because KD is like, you know, I got my stuff on lock, right? You know, his circle is so small that that's less people talking. But if that's the case. How did this New York rumor come out of nowhere? Which one? The the you talking about the Knicks, Knicks. rumor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Like, why do you where do you think it comes from? <laughs> right. So, but I'm saying as far, as far as this injury tip. You know, like KD's a talker. You know, KD isn't telling anybody. He's not saying y'all yeah, be back for game four. So I, th- it's hard. It's really hard to tell on this one. I think he will be back, right? I think. Yeah. I've literally. I know he's working to come back. Like I know it. So what? But that's what I. That's the part that don't make sense to me. Why would he be working to come back if he know he's not coming back? Yeah. You know, that's like. A great point. Yeah, like, and I know for a fact that he is working to come back, right? Uh, and 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 I, from what I know about KD, he values his teammates. Like, say what say what you want about like whether he leaves or stays and what he wants to do. Like when he's in a locker room with you, he values his teammates, and they they will tell you that, right? They will tell you, and that's what makes like this. War, I think they'll all be great friends when this is all over, because even if he leaves, these are the guys who will be like, man, thank you for the three years. That was that was mm-hmm. real. And they right. won't be like, you know, like Mo Williams going bad in the meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, some stories might leak, but to his face, you know, and to a man, they're going to be like, yo, this was a good ride. You know right. what I'm saying? And yeah. uh, I, think, I think that's why they'll be friends in the long run. But I don't know why he would be talking to them and – like you know, you see him before the game, like like hyping stuff up. Like, why is he doing that? If he's yeah. not coming back, why is he? Why is he like you know they they close off practice and you know when he's about to get his work in because he's there. Uh, why is he with them in practice? Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah. it would be it would be very duplicitous for a dude who can't even stay off social media. Right? <laughs> like it just KD yeah. just don't seem to have that type of duplicitous soul where he just, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So right. like he can't even hide how he really feels. So it would, it, it would just, it just doesn't make sense. And for him to be working back to know he's not playing, that would just be weird. Yeah. It's this like, and, and I think you see this with some of the, whether it's the free agency stuff, but also you've seen it with the injury it, there. It's like this, everything becomes uh game of thrones or like political in of like oh well it's this and they're covering it up and it's and there's all this stuff it's like well you know that's it's probably just it's taking a little longer and he's working at it and he might he might not but i think we it's like a we want to uh, assign meaning or control something that you can't or you just can't know it so it's like you want to say oh well he's not coming back because it's this whole grand narrative and it's just not that it's just he's not ready and he's working at it and like and i think you're 
abs- that's a, absolutely right that like if if it was why would he be working at it so hard to get back if he just wasn't able to if this was actually something much more serious and it's all just sort of spin and pr and whatnot wait tom tom is this for marcus or for all those twitter dudes who be battling on the internet who be hating on kd <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> it, could, it could be for two people. That's what I figured. I, I fell a little subtext right there. <laughs> uh, see, it's, so I'm, a, I'm, uh, I'm an I, artist. I need to apologize. I was distracted. The words just put out a message about this fan. You know, the the dude who pushed Kyle Lowry was an owner last night. Yeah, majority yeah. owner. So it just released a statement. So I was reading that. So I zoned out for a second. <laughs> is he is, is he going to prison for assault? Nah, he just not. He won't be attending any of the games, and they issued an apology and said they were disappointed in him, et cetera, et cetera. Of all the players in the league to push, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, that was so weak, yo. Yeah, that was just weak. No, I, 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 I was just saying that I think a lot of people they. It's whether it's like that they like to project narratives to these things they kind of can't control or don't understand. And so it wants to be, oh, they're the KD, he can't come back. It's this serious injury and everybody's hiding it. It's like everything's Game of Thrones or political theater. And it's the same thing with a lot of the free agency stuff. Like, oh, they had a, you know, there's all these handshake deals and all this, you know, sort of this, this intrigue that turns it into this thing that it's just, it's the, whether it's he's working on it and he just can't get back or yeah he you know this player might go there because they have the cap room and they could sign him but nobody knows and they don't know yet and it's in but people want to like ascribe this meaning to it so it makes sense but don't you think it's like a sort of a subtext there where they're saying katie either a is too injured to come back or they're hiding it or b katie could come back but he won't risk getting injured because he wants all the dollars well, if dollars was his motivator, then he'd stay with the Warriors because they could pay him the most. Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree a thousand percent. I think KD loves basketball too much to intentionally sit out. Yeah. That's what I believe. Right. I believe yeah. that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, you're like, in, I think it was in one of the Chris Haynes stories where he talks about like him being at the end, like being like the, not like nauseously nervous being there and like wanting to play, but not being able to, it's like, n- it, nah, that's, that's somebody who's not gonna, you know, just t- sit it out because, Oh, this might affect my, whatever, my free agency, my earning, like whatever, like now nah, if that dude can play, he's going to play. Right. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I mean, this has been his life, man. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know how I don't know how he can do it. I remember the last time he got hurt hearing about and reading about like how like almost like traumatizing it was to have to do yeah. basketball games, you know, when it's when yeah. he had the foot injury and he did like a whole midlife crisis type deal where it's like, all right, let me go. He was like a, somebody who got divorced and went to go chase their own, you know, <laughs> let, me, let me see what I want out of life now. I've been living for you for so long. Right. So right, he like all right. I'm into photography and stuff, right? So, I did, basketball is such a major component of his life and his and his and his passion that if it's absent, he's got to replace it with something. And I don't know what he's replacing it right now. Maybe it's just the work of coming back, but that will all be ridiculous to do that if he's not coming back. Like maybe maybe he runs out of time, right? Maybe the calf doesn't react. 
Maybe it was a six six week injury that didn't heal faster. You know what I'm saying? Like right. who knows? But yeah, the idea that he would not—I don't know what he gets anyway. Like Kevin Durant will be the number one free agent on the market no matter what happens, unless he suffers a major injury that's going to keep him out a year. And then even still might be the number one free agent out there. Yeah. Right. So like he loses nothing by playing. He gains nothing by not playing. He will get the most money available to him no matter what team he chooses. And he's going to have the same teams coming for him no matter what. I don't know what the what the loss is. Nobody's going to be like, I don't know. You didn't play in the finals. Can you take a, a big <laughs> If so, you're like, man, get up out of this meeting. You ain't ready for the big leagues. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so better believe, if nothing else, like that would work for the Warriors, right? Because if people start yeah. – cutting his money, the Warriors – I feel like if he would have tore his Achilles, the Warriors would have still offered him a five-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't – and the Knicks probably would have too. So there's no – what does he gain? What does he lose either way? Like, I mean, obviously, if he suffered a major injury, if he came back, but, like, if they were going to pay him – if they were willing to pay him for an Achilles injury, like, what's the injury he could suffer where they're like, yeah, nah – we we don't want to pay you for healthcare for a year and then have you on our <laughs> roster at thirty one. Like, of course they would. Like, it's it's just that I don't know what he gains by not playing, and I don't know what he loses by playing. Like, he still will be a one on the free agent market. And if Kimba Walker is gonna get a big contract, then you better believe Kevin Durant is gonna get it. Oh, for sure, for sure. Oh wait, wait, question for you. Do you think Steph Curry's 47.8 rebounds, 7 assists game last night is, like, his greatest playoff performance ever? Heck no. Game 7, 2016. No, nah, you know what? And people sleep on this. Do people really not remember Game 5 to 2015? He was killing. He was killing. I said I – I say this. I think that's the great – or one of the great finals performances that no one talks about because he was amazing in that game. And, and, like, and it was like mano y mano with LeBron who was on fire. Yes. Uh, yeah. that, was some, that was so riveting. I was just like, yo, this is epic. And that was like my first finals. You know what I'm saying? It was like, this is what I grew up watching on TV, right? Like it was like <laughs> back and forth. It was unbelievable. So, no, I mean, it was like, I mean, it was ridiculously impressive. I mean, not just that he had 47, but the efficiency, you yeah. know, and, and he got tired at the end without a doubt. And, you know, Nick Nurse was smart. They they definitely ramped up the double teams like later in the game, which exactly right. what I would have done while he's tired and putting the pressure on the other players. But, man, like, I mean, game seven, 2016 against Oklahoma City, like, mm-hmm. Game people sleep another one they forgot about. People forget that dude dropped thirty eight in Cleveland in Game Four. Oh yeah, right? like yeah. <laughs> they couldn't stop him. It was just like it's it's amazing how suddenly people don't remember this stuff. And I understand he ran out of gas and he didn't play didn't play well those last few games of that series. But I do feel like he was like, if we just get the three one, we can bring it home. Like the home will carry us. And I do think he left it all out on the court in game four. And, like, it was incredible. I remember LeBron being, like, desperately upset 
<laughs> in that game. He's fouling. Like that's why that's how Draymond got suspended. He's like throwing people to the ground. Like he like he was, it was like, whoa, LeBron was like lightweight unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were like, yo, look at look at Bron. He you know what I'm saying? Remember and look, Draymond called him, you know, started calling him a bid. He's like, I got kids. Remember all that? It was like, oh, yeah, when he gave him on the uh, judo flip and walked over his head. Yeah, yeah, like, I remember that game. I mean, that's, Steph dropped 38 that game, right? Yeah. <laughs> on the road, like, you know what I'm saying? So it was in like, Cleveland. in Cleveland. So people just be like, and remember, this was also, you know, he had Kevin, he had Kyrie, and I, I do feel like that was the game because he was, I remember after that game, Steph, he was exhausted. Really? But uh, I felt like I think he was like, if we just get this game, we got we can close him out at home. And right, right. but like he's had, I think the stakes. I like I, more than the forty-seven. The stakes games for me are the ones that are that kind of stand out more, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Katie's had some great games, but you know the ones with the stakes, like Game Three Dagger. You know, forget it's not the number so much; it's the moment, like that. Like that's that, impressive. Yeah. Like I mean, I mean, look, I know the second round, I know it's Portland, but that whole "I'm here, I'm back," <laughs> I'm that back. Was, <laughs> that was just nuts, yo. And on oh, that, like it came on so strong. So I remember in the first half, he was like, this, and then was like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, this is Steph. Yep, he's coming now. Here he is, right? Here he goes. Uh, another one, like, I remember, too, uh, what was it? Might have been, it was like game four, game three. I think it was game three when they lost to Cleveland 2015. It was that moment where you realized Steph figured it out. Yeah, actually, that was, I was, we were, we were talking before, I mean, uh, Daniel, about, I was saying that in a weird way, this, I'm wondering if this game three, if there's anything like that that translates where – because you saw it the way they kept in uh, against Toronto. They kind of kept coming back and kept it close. If there's something, it's like, okay, we found this thing that we can – yes, we lost this game, which is obviously not what you want to do, but like this thing you could build off of. And I remember that watching that game three in 2015 when it was like, okay, they lost this. But, yeah, I think they, they figured something out. I think what they figured out was that – in this game anyways, I think Steph transitioned his mind from let's run the offense to I got to be an assassin. Yeah. It works. I think he figured that out. I think he waits way too long to do that, you know, and it's usually when they're down and he starts getting desperate and he's like, all right, let me just keep shooting. But like when he's in that mode, like, no, it's like the best shot is for me. Right. Not the open guy. (laughs) You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I think when he understands that, like he used to have it, but I also feel like he understands that's draining. Like a lot works against Steph in this regard. Like people want him to be somebody he's not. And I always respect his willingness to be himself. Just like this is what I love about KD. Like KD is like, I'm going to be me. And if y'all have a problem with it, like you should probably talk to somebody about that. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Man, Steph went to Davidson. His father played in the NBA. Like, you won't get a more team centered guy. He's got a tattoo on his wrist that says TCC, trust, care, commitment, that he got as, a, you know, one of them like rah rah NCAA brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude wow. is the most team oriented guy. Like, 
in right. his mind, like literally his high school coach had to put a shot minimum on him. Like, did you have to take five shots a quarter? Like, you're failing, like, five. And he said it at five, hoping to get four. Like, <laughs> right, he doesn't right, know, right, like, right. this dude is not. So it's hard for him to shift that gear and go into the mode that James Harden lives in. There's a part of him that knows basketball is not the most excellent in that way. Like, right. he, this is yeah. how he was raised in basketball, right? So right. I think it's harder for him to get there. But when he gets there, I think he it, it's pretty special. But I just think he knows it's not sustainable, right? I think I think he understands that too much. So maybe that's the thing they figured out. Like I, I've been I've been calling for this all series. Like stop picking Fred VanVleet, right? Yeah, just take him. Just go go at him. He went. He took every time he took somebody. He drew a foul, got a bucket. Like just take yeah. Him. And make these dudes work. Don't don't bail them out with the screen. Don't let them die on screens, right? Don't let them don't let them have supports. Put them on the island and draw these fouls and get to the line and make them dudes defend in that way. So I think if anything comes out of game three, as Steph knows, the light is neon green. And he's kinda <laughs> gotta he's kinda gotta go for it. And maybe he don't shoot as efficiently, but he's gotta he's gotta get them shots up. And and his and Hope his teammates got something for him. Yeah. Well, and then hopefully you got if Clay's back and at some you know it's close to hundred percent as possible, then you just they can't so just swarm at him. So whether it's that the his shots become even easier, he can get a little bit more going, or they focus on him, and then you're kicking it out to players who are can hit it with a little bit more regularity, and that can sort of be. But it all has to start with him, uh, kind of. Him driving the engine or driving the cars, starting the engine, whatever. And they really like Draymond's right. He's just got to play better. He can't be throwing the ball all over the court. Yeah. He's got, I don't know why he's sometimes he just gives up on the little mid range. I think he's a better mid range shooter and he gives him self credit for mm-hmm. like, man, stop and take that pull up eight footer, right? Like, I thought it was there, you know, what's that did this thing? It's like about. Being in a hurry versus going quickly, and I felt like yeah, watching would, game three. Maybe, right? Hurry up, oh, the, rush. yeah, 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 ex- exactly. And it was he was he was rushing a lot yeah. in game. Like I get that you want to push the tempo, that's good, but it just always felt like you're just going as quickly as possible, but like with no kind of plan, and that led to a lot of bad shots, a lot of turnovers, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't think they felt too confident. Um, it maybe comes the right word, but. Toronto's set defense, I think they were getting tired of navigating it. And I think they just wanted to just, you know, press the break and get something easy. But, man, Toronto is so long. Even when you got them beat, they recover so quick. Yeah, I mean, their weak side shot blocking is incredible. Dude, I those mean, chase downs from, from, from Quinn Cook back-to-back. From guards, from guards and all that. Like, even, like, Danny Green is coming out of nowhere blocking shots. Right. Uh, I, I, the Warriors have to be – they just have to play smarter. I do yeah. look, and Ethan says this. He was saying he's been saying this the whole series, and he said it last night. And I kind of see what he's saying. Like the Warriors have a way of doing things that make Toronto look better than what they are, but I don't know. Man. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know if if that's Toronto forcing that, or if you know Ethan is indeed right. Like Kawhi has been awful on defense. This entire series, like I'm, like no joke. Watch the games over and watch him. He's like not even trying. 
Right. Like, like, wow. And I think, you know, he's hurt and he's got to score a lot. So he's like chilling. Like, right. I, like, I still can't believe he didn't get to that ball that stepped through. Like, how does he not get there? You right. let Sean Livingston beat you to the ball? Like, like, I mean, that's a 50-50 right. ball. I don't care how you cut it. Like, Sean Livingston got to it, but that was a 50-50 ball. It was really yeah. like a 60-40 ball later to Kawhi because he was in front of it. But, <laughs> like, there are some places where this can – where the Warriors can, like, if they if they played smarter, like, all these aggressive shot blocking, like, this is where they miss Looney. I mean, it's pretty easy. Quinn Cook, you got your thing. It's been – like rejected a few times, man. What happens if you throw a pump fake? <laughs> like that's not that difficult. You know they're coming for your shot. You know what I'm saying? Like I would say get it off the glass real quick, but they missed a couple of those last night uh, right. off the glass. But it, yeah. it's just recognizing that what Toronto's strength are and turning them into weaknesses. And if you do that, just force them to have a counter. Like that's the difference. Like force them to do something else. But 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 I also think it's a credit to Toronto that. The Warriors can't force him to do something else. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that team is good, man. Yeah. That's a good team. And, uh, I mean, I hope we get the win. Uh, but without some health, it's going to be tough against those boys for sure. Marcus, I really appreciate you coming down and helping us out, um, sharing your insight, and uh, let us know more about Kevin Durant because that's what everyone wants to know right now. They want to know about Kevin Durant, what's inside his head, you know, where's he going, and of course. They just want to know what people uh, are. <laughs> They want to take that five-year veterans minimum too, you know. Oh, vet minimum, that's funny. <laughs> what y'all think? I save money, Doctor um, Tom. What you think? You think he stays? Uh, I mean, y- yes, yes, I do, and I mean, I don't, because I, every, I think everybody's putting a little too much faith in the Knicks to pull this off. Uh, you know, so that's true. that that's 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 my thing, and I mean, I think it's that. You know, how, I mean, people, you can complain, you know, if there you have it, like you, you think of people who go to a job and maybe they don't like, it, maybe they say, oh, maybe I'd be happier if I was working someplace else. But then when it comes time to, okay, turn in your, you know, give your two weeks notice, whatever. And it's like, you know what? It's good here. I think I'll just stay here. I'll tough mm-hmm. it out. And so I just, that, that's kind of the thing I keep coming down to and that just, they can make the best pitch. I don't know, but I'm, I make no, uh, you know, I'm ever, I'm ever hopeful. So I don't think, I don't know how much of it is based in any kind of rational analysis, but I think, yeah, I'm, I've always, I've been of this mind since the, since the beginning, but. You're taking yeah. a lot of heat too. You're taking a lot of heat from uh, some national writers who were like, uh, <laughs> "Katie's gone. Stop, you know, being in your feelings." And so, if he does resign, Tom's gonna have a Twitter vendetta like you've never seen. Nah, he's gonna respond with absolute humility. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll try. I'll try. But and yeah, that said, this might be the one time I let myself I let myself go. But then maybe I'll have to go to he'll go to New York and I'll just have to, I'll have to learn even more about humility. What if he goes to the Clippers though? That's what I'm wondering. Jerry West over there? Mm, I don't know. I, I feel like the Clippers, if it's about winning, are a better yeah. organization. Yeah. So then then the Knicks. I don't know. Nick's got to show me something. I understand they got new management. Maybe James Dolan's supposed to be like fading into the bushes, like the Homer meme. But <laughs> I, I got to see it to believe it. They gave they gave uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. that the the current GM didn't he give him that big? Co- I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still I'm still of the you got you have to show me something even still. But yeah, no question. 
They couldn't even rig the draft, the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's like. All that money you can't pay off. Come on, man. It's freeze that envelope or freeze that ball so it bounces the right way. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's how you know the A series. Come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Believe it or not, I'm going to tell you all this now. I got to go because it's my birthday and my wife got plans for me. Oh, hey, happy wow. birthday, happy man. Birthday. Oh, snap. Hey, oh, and th- thank you for birthday. doing this on your birthday, too. That- on his birthday, loyal to his soil. I started to cancel on y'all, but I, I was like, it's my birthday. I kind of do what I want, right? <laughs> That's what's hey man. Happy birthday for real. Yeah, seriously. I got you. I appreciate y'all. All right, folks. This has been the Honorable Marcus Thompson along with Dr. Tom and the Go Buddy King. Uh thank you so much for listening and uh go Warriors. <laughs>